Welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of TheHorse.com. Tonight, our topic is Understanding Horse Insurance and Liability, brought to you by the Horses Farm and Barn Newsletter. So if you own horses, you have friends with little girls who want to ride those horses. I'm sure you do. At least I do. And I really do want to share my love of horses with the new generation. But as a horse owner and a property owner, I'm all often worried about my liability. I mean, my horses are well-trained, kind of well-mannered, but they're still horses and things can go wrong. I want to know how I can limit my exposure. And then there's my dressage horse, Marathon, who's turned from a project into a competitive horse. He's not currently insured, but as we look to start third level next year, I'm realizing that his increased value, I couldn't afford to replace. Should I insure my horse? Tonight, two insurance specialists, Cindy Anderson and Susan Nanichin, and Susan, you can correct that if I got it wrong. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> from Blue Bridal Insurance in New Jersey have joined us to answer those questions and more about horse insurance and liability. Thank you. And Susan, go ahead and pronounce your last name correctly for us. Nanasian. Okay. Sorry about that. I practiced, but I That's didn't get okay. it right. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Cindy. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the horse world and as an insurance specialist? Sure. I've been uh, here at Blue Bridal since 1998. As an equine insurance agent, I specialize in the liability and the mortality coverages. Um, I do have a bachelor of science degree in equine studies, and I've worked in barns for about 10 years. Um, I do have two horses. Uh, my older horse was a fourth-level dressage horse, and my young horse, uh, we just finished our first year at first level. So you might be able to help me uh, figure out if I need to insure my horse. Okay, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Susan, can you tell us about your horse experience and your experience as an insurance agent? Hi everyone, uh, my name is Susan Anasian. I've been in the insurance industry for about 23 years now. Um, I, my specialty is farm owner's insurance, basically. Um, I do know a little bit about the workers' comp and umbrella insurance. Uh, I too also have an associate's degree in equine studies. Um, and shortly after college, I went to work on horse farms and fell into the insurance industry and been there ever since. Uh, I have owned horses throughout the years and have shown in different disciplines between Western and English and hunter jumpers. Um, and I did run a rescue, horse rescue for a couple years and then um, just now just basically help whenever I can. Okay. Well, this event is an hour long, uh, so everyone feel free to send in your questions. We have some that were sent in during registration. You can enter them in your console if you're listening on your computer right now. Um, we also, before we get started, have collected some resources on the horse.com for you about insurance and liability. Uh, don't close out of uh, GoToWebinar. You want to open a separate browser, but if you're listening and you want to take a look, you can go to the horse.com slash 36 295. Again, that's 36295. And we have 10 editor's picks for articles about liability and insurance that you can check out. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Cindy, we have a question from Leslie in Fairfax Station, Virginia. And she has a 15-year-old daughter who's giving riding lessons. She said she hasn't been able to secure insurance for her. Do you have any advice for Leslie on getting insurance for her 15-year-old daughter giving riding lessons? 
Hi, Leslie. Um, the reason why you're having problems is because nobody will, none of the insurance companies will insure a minor. Um, the person has to be 18 years of age or older to acquire liability insurance. So that's why you're having such um, a problem. Um, so if you, if your daughter can wait till she's 18, then she shouldn't have a problem. Okay. So, Cindy, when I was a kid, I was giving writing lessons when I was probably 14, 15 years old. Is that just something that doesn't get done anymore? Well, I'm sure it's done, but it's not legal um, because, God forbid, something happened while this minor was teaching a lesson, then the, the onus falls back on the landowner, the farm owner. So okay. it's it really opening up a big can of worms there. So that's so then, why they, they they all the companies require that they have to be 18 years of old, 18 years of age or older to really officially, legally, safely teach. Okay. So you mentioned um, the landowner. Can the parents be held liable as well? Uh, yes, the parents can get brought into a lawsuit as well. Okay. Um, Cindy, our next question is from Connie in Indiana, and Connie wants to know if a person is riding her horse regularly and got hurt, would she be safer having a leasing agreement in place rather than just allowing a friend to ride her horse on a regular basis? Well, a lease agreement is always um, a safe route and always for sure recommended, especially if the person is riding the horse regularly. That would technically be considered almost a, lease, a full lease or even a half lease. So it would behoove the horse owner to have something in writing outlining the rules and regulations or the do's and the don'ts of what she can and cannot do with the horse and um, that she's holding the, per the horse owner, um, releasing them from liability. So it is would be in the best interest of the horse owner to have a lease agreement. We have a follow-up question from our live audience, and Sue, I think this falls under your area of expertise. It's from Annette in, in Kentucky, and she wants to know if a farm owner should carry insurance, liability insurance, if they have occasional guests over to ride their horses, and if so, how much protection do they need? Well, your typical farm policy will provide liability, both personal and commercial, so if you own horses, you're allowed to have friends come over and ride a horse. Your liability policy will co come in and protect you in the event that that friend falls off. If it becomes too frequent, they could be considered uh, an exercise rider or a trainer, and that you would have to have add that coverage and make sure that your policy extends to something along those lines or that the other person would carry insurance if they're going to do it more often. But in regards to a friend coming over, you're going to have your liability and just confirm that. Now, a homeowner's policy that's a whole other story because homeowner policies, um, you have to make sure they cover horses to begin with because a lot of homeowner policies will not cover uh, horses on your property, any kind, whether they're owned or not. Cindy, we have another question uh, for you. This is from Beverly in Wisconsin, and she wants to know if your friend is riding your horse, how liable are you for injuries they sustain while riding your horse? And is there a difference between them riding your horse on your property and ride, or riding the horse on, say, if you're boarding your horse somewhere on a commercial property? Well, what people need to understand is with their own horses, they are responsible for their, their horse's actions. So if the horse ever did any bodily injury or property damage on or off property, the horse owner is responsible for all of those actions. 
so yes, if your friend is riding your horse and gets injured somehow and does sue you, you the horse owner is would is, and is held liable for 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 all of that. So it is important to think twice about before you just put anybody on your horse. Um, we have a question from our live audience, um, Cindy. I think this is for you, but. So you can jump in if it's more your area of expertise. This is from Lisa, and Lisa says that some barns require a visiting instructor to have insurance that also name the barn or stable on the insurance policy. Other barns do not require this. Why do some require it and some don't? Well, Lisa, basically all barns should require it. Um, if you are instructing at a barn that you don't own or you don't run, then your insurance would name the landowner, farm owner, as additional insured onto your policy. So that way, if you're teaching and do some of your negligence, like your student falls off and sues, your policy, the instructor's policy, would defend first and protect the farm owner. Now, doesn't mean that the farm owner, landowner is not going to be dragged into a lawsuit. They usually are but the instructor's policy would defend first. Why some um, farms do not require that, I, I don't know. We try to highly, highly encourage that, especially to all our farm owners, that they get certificates for all instructors that are on their property. So my instructor sometimes comes to my property to teach me. Uh, does she need extra insurance when she's on my property teaching me? If she's teaching you and you fall off, you can't sue yourself. Okay. So they don't need to carry that insurance. They probably have insurance anyway because if they're going to your barn, they're probably going to other farms as well, like an independent instructor would, and they're going to need that insurance to follow them as they go from farm to farm. But in respect to them coming and teaching you on your own property, you can't sue yourself. So if I have a friend, though, that also we group our lessons together on our property, you can see I'm thinking because I... <laughs> I have a friend who's riding at my property because uh, we group them together so the trainer only has to make one trip. Uh, does my instructor also need to have coverage to protect her when she's teaching my friend on my property? Or do yeah. I need insurance? Yes, you're, you're kind of going to wear two hats on that one because, number one, you're there having the lesson. So if you fall off your own horse, you can't do yourself. But you're also inviting this instructor onto your property to teach others. So now you also can be sued as a landowner. So you do want to make sure that that instructor carries their own liability insurance and presents you now with a certificate showing that they have that insurance and they're naming you as additional insurer as the landowner. So in case another student falls off and they're going to try and sue the, the trainer, the instructor, because they instructed them to do something that they fell off and they're going to now try and sue you because you're the landowner. Okay, so we have another live question um, from Teresa in Colorado. And Teresa wants to know what insurance is needed if you have volunteers coming to your farm to help with chores around the horses. That's a tricky one because volunteers, um, certain states, it's going to fall under uh, like a work comp situation. Even though they're volunteers coming on your property, they're being guided by the farm owner or manager to do certain things. Therefore, if that person got hurt because they were guided to do something, example, um, I tell my volunteer, go muck the stall, and they're leading the horse out of the stall so they can muck it, and the horse bites or kicks them, and they get hurt. In certain states, they could be considered an employee, and therefore, they would need workers' compensation insurance. Um, now, volunteers, if they're volunteering for a riding lesson 
or anything along those lines, um, then they have to kind of be careful because some policies will cover volunteers on behalf of while they're performing that uh, duty of volunteering for the riding lesson, but it's not going to protect the farm if that volunteer got hurt themselves. So that's okay. why it's a fine line with volunteers, but you really you check with your policy, ask your company, your insurance company, and find out what their policy is on volunteers, and then find out if they don't do or don't cover them. And then you might want to look into workers' comp because they could be interpreted as an employee, even though you're not paying them, they're volunteering, but they're doing duties and they're acting on behalf of what you're telling them to do. Cindy, we have a question from Nan in Michigan, and Nan wants to know, as a barn owner, she has liability insurance, but she wants to know how important it is for her to require helmets on all riders on her property. Well, most, most of the disciplines now are requiring that everyone wear a helmet at all times, um, and more and more barns over the years are actually now reinforcing that. However, with some of your western disciplines, your saddle seat, your gated disciplines, they still not require riders to wear helmets. So what we recommend as insurance agents, of course, helmets all the time. However, if you're not going to recommend helmets, there, we would instruct the person to have an, a release agreement, and in that release agreement, a helmet waiver, where the rider understands that a helmet is recommended to be worn while being ridden, However, it, they understand the risks of not wearing one, and they sign off on it. That way, you know, they can't come back and say, well, you didn't tell me I had to wear a helmet. So a lot of your more, again, your, your disciplines where you don't wear helmets, the barns are having these helmet waivers built into the release. We have a question from our live audience. Kim says that she's always had insurance while she's been teaching. She said she also requires her students to sign a waiver prior to riding. She wants to know how effective that waiver is in relieving or taking on liability. Well, as everybody knows, we all have the state signs in our barns that you know, ride it, you're riding at your own risk. Releases also reinforce that. Now, we all know everybody can sue anyone at any time, but what releases do, it can limit the payout on a policy because the judge will say, do you understand that you know, you're riding at your own risk? you're releasing and holding harmless this person and that riding or horses are an inherent risk and as horse people we all know at some point we're going to fall off, get kicked, stepped on we know that's a part of the deal so it's always good anytime you teach you always have a release prior to that person getting on and always keep it in file because if a claim is ever filed the first thing the insurance company is going to ask you to produce is a signed release we have a question from Pamela in North Carolina. Uh, Pamela says she has a liability policy um, for the barn and for lessons and that riding students all sign these waivers. She wants to know if they need to have visiting friends and family also sign waivers for when they're there to watch riding lessons. Um, that's a, a little gray area. Of course, it would not hurt if she had everybody sign um, a waiver. Um, but is it required? Not necessarily, because you are allowed friends and family at the barn. Now, if those friends and family were walking around petting horses, sorry, um, and getting involved in the barn activities, well, then for sure. Um, but if they're just visiting, then not necessarily. Okay. I need one. 
Um, we have a question from Lisa in Worthington, Indiana, and she said that she has her horse boarded at a stable, and she'd like to know if there's anything she would be liable for if her horse injured someone at that boarding stable. Well, like I reiterated before, every horse owner is responsible for their horse's actions on and off property. So if at a boarding stable, if the horse bit anybody, kicked anybody, ran out in the road, caused an accident, um, she was riding the horse and fell off and the horse got loose and trampled somebody, she would be responsible for all of those things. So even though she is at a boarding barn, she's still liable for her horse's actions. Um, some barns require like a security deposit. So if the horse, you know, kicked a stall window out or did any physical damage, it would come out of that. Um, but they are all required to be responsible. We have a follow-up question from our live audience. Denise says she has a boarding and show barn uh, that has a farm policy. She said her trainer has her own liability insurance, but during her pregnancy, she has hired another professional to ride and work for her. What liability, if any, do I have regarding this rider professional hired by the trainer? Well, the, the, the woman that's pregnant could, could add on the person that's filling in for her onto her liability policy as an additional instructor. So the, the pregnant woman's policy would cover her while she was acting on her behalf. Um, it's a very minimal charge and it's not a problem. We do it all the time. So that's what I would recommend to the woman who's pregnant. So that's something that Denise should ask for? Yep. Okay. So we have a question from Tony in Massachusetts. Tony boards her horse at a stable. She wants to know what coverage she needs to protect her tack. We've all been in those boarding situations where things get borrowed, and sometimes our saddles are very expensive. Um, well, the first thing I would do is, since you board your horse at a stable, um, go back to your homeowner's policy and find out if they extend personal property from including your tack to the barn, because some homeowners will extend either a certain percentage, like 10% of the value, or they'll just extend the coverage altogether to cover your tack while it's off your premises of your home. So definitely check first with your homeowners and see if they will provide any coverage for your personal property while it's located somewhere else. If it is not, we do have what's called a tack floater. It will cover you, um, your tack, and it's basically going to cover you from your uh, for theft, fire, um, smoke, lightning, windstorm, your perils that are basically going to happen, which would be fire and theft are the big ones. So if your tack is at your boarding facility and something happens, this policy would respond. And it's roughly 3% um, of the total value of your tack. So you would list out one saddle at this amount, a bridle at this amount, you know, blankets, miscellaneous things. And then they could put it on this tack floater policy and it would cover that, that equipment. So um, my experience has been when I've talked to professionals, lawyers, insurance agents that are not part of the horse world, they kind of look at me with big eyes when I ask them these kind of questions. <laughs> like, like, is my very expensive dressage saddle covered uh, by my homeowner's insurance? How, do you have any suggestions for how to communicate with your insurance agents or how to get uh, really clear information from your homeowner's policy uh, uh, to make oh. sure that your stuff is covered? Yeah, I mean, I would basically, you know, send an email to your agent or call your agent and just say, look, you know, um, technically your TAC is considered your personal property. 
um, and have them give you the definition of the personal property off-premises. And somewhere in your policy will be a clause that will define that. It'll define meaning, um, you know, if it will or will not cover, and sometimes, again, up to a certain percentage or 100% of the value. It depends. So it should be in your policy itself, and your agent should be able to definitely have that answer because it is considered personal property. It's not something that, like an animal that's, you know, it's personal property, but it stays at a barn all the time. Your tack is something you can take home with you. You can put in your car. So I would definitely look in your policy, and your, your agent will definitely be able to answer that question. Okay. We have a question from our live audience. Cindy, I think this one's for you. It's from um, Sadie in Kentucky. And Sadie ha wants to know if a boarding barn's owner's farm coverage will provide coverage if one boarded horse severely injures another horse? Um, the, well, again, that's a little gray area. Um, it depends on how the horses hurt each other. Um, the, the farm owner, stable manager, you know, did they do something negligent? Did they put the horses together that they weren't supposed to? Did they put them in a pasture that they weren't supposed to? Um, and if that was the case, then the farm owner's care, custody, and control coverage would cover that specific injury. But let's say these two horses have been turned out together for the past year, they're buddies, they get along, and a freak accident happens, then technically the horse owner whose horse did the damage is responsible for the vet bills. So how do you, as the horse owner of a horse that's sharing a turn out with someone else's horse, protect yourself in that event. Well, we do I've seen that happen. I've, I've been at barns and I've seen horses clash. Um, one ended up with a broken elbow, two borders. Yeah. I'm so curious about that. Um, well, horses are horses and they're going to do crazy stuff. But what, as an insurance agent, what I can recommend everybody to get is we have a product called a private horse owner liability policy. And this will cover you um, up to $1 million per occurrence, $2 million aggregate if need be, third-party bodily injury or property damage that the horses could do to someone or something. So if this horse owner had a private horse owner's policy and this horse did damage to another horse, he could have filed the claim. Okay. We have a question for Sue. This is from Teresa in Colorado. Teresa says um, is involved with miniature horses and is in need of insurance for activities, events, non-riding type things. Is there insurance available for those kind of non-riding uh, events or uh, maybe you're going to a fair to help educate people about miniature horses? Is there insurance that these groups can get to protect themselves? There is a specialty policy that can help for like the therapy ponies um, that go from school to school that do the programs or go to hospitals. Um, there are sometimes you can do the read with a pony, you know, items like that. And unfortunately, we don't have any carriers that write that for us. It would be such a specialty policy that they would actually uh, go online or look up a carrier that specializes in certain things like that, like therapeutic that can write you a policy and that will cover the liability in the event that that pony or, or miniature horse does anything while they're doing their little their duties and their job as a therapy animal. 
but that's more of a specialty kind of policy, and that's something that um, unfortunately we don't write. So, but you can get that. There definitely is coverage for it. Okay. We have a question from our live audience, Cindy, for you. It's from Sally in New Jersey. She wants to know if her local saddle club, which is planning to host a horse show at an equine facility in their area, needs to purchase special equine event liability insurance to protect themselves should an exhibitor, horse, or attendee get injured, or is that something the facility owner needs to consider? Um, well, basically, the club should have a club insurance policy, and that would protect its members and any um, activities that the club would have, say horse shows, clinics, uh, demonstrations, that would fall under the club policy. Now, an exhibitor's horse, the club would have to be found negligent. The club would have to have done something wrong for this horse to get injured. This is why um, all exhibitors sign a entry blank, and the entry blank you'll see at the bottom in the fine print that they're holding the club harmless and releasing them of liability. So if the horse owner falls off his horse because you know the horse was fresh or spooking, again, that person can't sue themselves. The club would only be found liable is if the club did something negligent, like did not fasten a tent down and it blew and it spooked a horse and somebody fell off. Um, you know, a club owner beat up somebody, something like that, then the club policy would defend. Okay. Uh, Sue, um, we have a question for you from Bernadette in North Carolina. Bernadette wants to know if a homeowner's umbrella policy will cover horse-caused accidents both on and off their property. And can you explain to us a little bit about what an umbrella, umbrella policy is? Sure. Um, basically, uh, I'll start off with what an umbrella policy is. An umbrella policy is kind of like what it, it says. It comes over your current liability, whether it's a standalone liability policy, a farm owner's policy, or an umbrella policy. So if you have a million dollar limit of liability on your farm policy and you want an umbrella, that umbrella can give you an additional one, two, or three million of liability and it come over that farm. So um, an example, you're, you have a riding lesson and somebody falls off and they get severely injured and they sue you for over a million dollars and the judgment is for over a million. Well, your farm policy only has a million on it, so it will pay up to that million. But because you have an umbrella policy, that additional monies that were awarded will now, the umbrella policy will pay for that. It'll come up to that limit on that policy now. So if you have a million on that, it'll provide you with that extra limit. Now, in regards to a homeowner's policy, um, it, that kind of policy, a homeowner's policy is designed to cover you personally for your home, your contents, and your personal horses only. Um, and again, that's only some, some homeowners. Some homeowners policies won't even cover you if you have livestock or horses at all. Um, in regards to a farm policy, if you do have the umbrella, then yes, your farm will pay first, and if it goes past that limit on your farm, your umbrella will come in and cover the difference up to the limit of the umbrella policy. So how do you help your clients decide how much umbrella coverage they need? Well, basically, um, you look at a couple factors, two big ones. One, look at your assets. I mean, if you have you know, a lot to lose in the event of a claim, um, that's a big one. That's a big concern people have because then, of course, they go after big judgments when they see you know, nice facilities. The second thing you're going to look at is your exposures. 
you know, am I giving 20 riding lessons a day? Am I boarding 10 or 15 horses? Or do I just have my own two horses and one boarder? You, if you're limited in your exposures and you're very small farm, then most likely a lot of people won't get the umbrella. They're happy with a million dollar limit on their farm because that's plenty of coverage for you considering what you have for your, again, your exposures. But if the bigger farms out there, they will take an umbrella because you have all these things going on at one time and you have a chance of having a high claim happen, especially with the boarding facilities and the riding instruction facilities. So yes, they do take the umbrellas for the extra, the extra liability protection. We have a question um, for you, Cindy, from our live audience. Annette in Kentucky wants to know if a horse club is having an organized trail ride at a state park, how much insurance coverage should they have? And if they cannot afford that coverage, will liability waivers be enough to protect the club? Um, well, basically, the, cl it, it, the club should have its own club insurance, like I discussed previously. Um, Waivers are good, but again, it would fall back to the individual club member. And the individual club member's homeowner's policy is going to pay out if something happens. So that's why a lot of clubs have the club coverage, so it covers all the members. Um, and a lot, of our, our, a lot of our clubs that we insure, they offer a payment plan, so we can, we can do that for them. And it's not a minimum premium on a club policy is $400 for the year. So you have that on an eight payment plan. It really breaks it up for them. So hopefully they're not, they, they can afford that because without it, it, it falls back on the individual club members. So Cindy, if, if a club doesn't have any assets or has limited assets, you said it falls to their individual members, the liability does, um, and correct me if I, if I understood that incorrectly, but do the board members of that club have an added responsibility or liability? Well, if you have, now we're talking about a formed club with paying members. Yeah, a nonprofit. A nonprofit formed club with paying members. The club policy will cover all the, again, all the members and all the activities that the members do. For the board, a lot of the bigger clubs also have directors and officers insurance, and that will, that will cover the board members from being personally sued as a board member. Um, some of our bigger clubs have that. Some of our smaller clubs have that. That's a, that's a personal choice based off the club. The, the DNO, the directors and officers insurance, is not cheap. That, is, that gets a little expensive. So that's why we see some of our bigger clubs have it. But um, again, that's a product that um, a lot of clubs are now carrying. Okay. Uh, we have a question from our live audience. Uh, Sadie is wondering if if you have, what well, she says that she understands that most older horses have at least some kind of health issues. But why don't most equine insurance companies offer major medical policies for senior horses, even at a higher premium or with certain exclusions compared to younger horses? Uh, well, all the insurance companies have some form of cutoff age. Um, some of them are 18. Some companies will insure a horse up to 20 years old. Um, and you, some companies, you can get major medical, surgical coverage up to age 20. 
Um, again, the premiums on the mortality side, the life insurance, are a little higher, but a lot of the companies will offer that. Um, after age 20, then there's, you cannot get mortality or any kind of health, medical, surgical coverage after that. Um, the insurance companies feel, now I'm a horse owner with a 22-year-old, so I, 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 I understand this. The horses, you know, they know it after 20, stuff's eventually going to start to happen. And they understand the horses can get a little bit older or arthritic or ill or colicky. And the insurance companies, they, they decided 20 is the max that they'll pay out. Years ago, it was 15. So with the advanced medical technologies, they've increased it to 20. Sue, so we have a question for you from Rhonda in Virginia. Rhonda wants to know what recommendations you have for someone who's just starting out with a small farm. A couple riders, a couple boarders, a few rescue horses. What recommendations would you make for that client? Well, basically they're going to need a farm owner's policy. And the farm owner's policy is a homeowner's policy basically with the added liability of the horses. So the farm owner's policy will come in and it would cover the house, your contents in your house, your barns and outbuildings. It'll cover what you have in the barns and outbuildings, such as tack, hay, machinery. It'll also provide you all your liability, personal and commercial. So if you have boarders, own horses, it'll protect you while you're running your business. It provides the liability for that. It'll also provide you personal liability, just like a homeowner. So if you had a friend come over and they fell and got hurt, it will cover you. Or give a dog bite, same thing. It'll provide you the liability protection. Um, so basically, we would go over everything that that client has um, and offer them different choices on what coverages they would like. Um, and then we would put together a package for them. And that way, you have everything covered that you need from your home, your contents, all the way down to all the liability that you have, meaning your boarding, your lessons, your training, your rescues. We have a question from our live audience for Cindy. This is from Bill in Oklahoma. Bill wants to know if insurance policies or liability releases differ for youth-based horse clubs as compared to general riding clubs for all ages. If so, what are the main differences? Um, there's really no distinguishing factor with releases. Um, Basically, if the person is over 18, they can sign the release on their own. If they're under 18, then the parents need to sign for the minor. Um, and if they, if minors belong to a club, then they would fall under the club's policy of, as coverage. They would be covered under the club's policy. Uh, our next question is for Sue, and this is from Marsha in New Jersey. Marsha wants to know if homeowners insurance will cover an equestrian living on my property who pays rent and does chores for keeping our horses here. Okay, that one has a couple different issues with it. Um, the first thing that jumps out at me is a homeowner's policy, um, they won't provide liability of any kind for non-owned horses that are on your property. So if that tenant has their horse on your property, your homeowner's company will, will say no. They'll drop you. They'll say that's not what this homeowner's policy is for. So at that point, you're going to have to go out and we would offer a farm owner's policy. Now, as far as the person doing chores for keeping their horse there, that's like bartering for services. So if I boarded my horse there and did chores, um, I'm bartering a service. So otherwise, you'd charge for that stall that I'm going to barter for. That can be interpreted as workers' comp, as an employee. 
because whether or not you pay the person or not, you're still bartering for, um, for services that have a monetary value to it, such as, like I was saying, you know, uh, otherwise if I wasn't doing any chores, I'd have to pay you for that stall. So because I am bartering um, of a, for something of a monetary value, it could be interpreted as a worker's comp issue because I'm, again, working for you, whether it's money changing hands or not. So at that point, you're going to need to look into your state's um, and see what the local, each state is different for work comp. Some states, you have to have so many employees. Some states, if you hire a employee period, um, if you just barter services, that right there, immediate work comp. So check with your local state to find out. So that basically has a couple things, which would be your homeowners, check and see. I highly doubt they'll accept a non-owned horse on that property. So you're going to need to look into liability or a farm. And the second part to that would be your workers' comp, because you're now bartering services. You could be interpreted as an employee. So this was someone who's living on a property who's helping with chores. What about those of us who have house sitters or farm sitters come to our properties? Should we Do we need additional coverage for them, or should we be looking for licensed, bonded, and insured providers of, of services? Well, for pet sitting, um, that's a specialty insurance that they're going to need. It's They're probably going from property to property, not just yours. So you definitely want to hire somebody that's insured. In the event anything happens, um, you know, they do something in the house by accident, it causes a, a, you know, a fire or it causes a flooding uh, you know, with water, who knows what could happen. They have coverage for that because that's they came in and did a job and caused a problem because of their job. Um, as far as uh, the farm owners insurance and liability and homeowners, they won't provide um, any kind of liability for somebody who does it as a living, who's going around and doing this pet service and pet sitting as their job. That person would need to carry their own insurance, a specialty type of insurance. Unfortunately, we don't have any carriers that write that, um, but they would need the coverage. And it behooves them anyway because they're going to go from property to property most likely, and that insurance would follow them as they pet sit. Um, the other... Uh, you know, thing I would do is if you have, let's say everybody goes on vacation. So you might have a friend stay over and take care of your farm while you're on vacation. That's different because that's incidental. It's not something they're doing all the time or a couple times a year and it's not their main job. They're doing it to help you out. That's different. Your farm policy will come in and defend you if anything does happen in regards to somebody taking place while you're on a vacation. Cindy, we have a question from our live audience. It came in from Kim, and she wants to know what kind of coverage you would recommend for people who are holding clinics, either the clinician or the property that where those clinics are being held. Well, it's going to depend on who is running the clinic. If the farm is running the clinic, collecting the money, and it's the farm's releases that the participants are signing, then the farm owns the event and would insure the event. They would ask the clinician to show proof that he's insured. However, if the clinician is collecting the money, the clinician is having everybody sign the release, and the clinician is renting a barn, and the clinician is going to need to show a certificate of insurance naming the farm owner as additional insured. So that's a, it's, it's a trick question. It depends on who's actually running the clinic who's going to own the insurance. Okay. So when you're planning those sorts of events, you need to be really clear in your communication about who's in charge. Is that am yeah. I understanding that correctly? Exactly. Okay. 
We have a question from our live audience uh, from Lisa, and Cindy, this is for you. If someone is trailering my horse and I'm not, and it's not a commercial shipper, what kind of insurance should the driver carry? Would their insurance cover my horse if the driver doesn't own the animal? Um, well, in most states, and again, I can only speak for New Jersey, um, but most states, and, and check, as soon as your trailer is hooked up to your um, towing vehicle, the liability from the towing vehicle covers the trailer for liability. So if the trailer became unhooked somehow and caused an accident, your truck coverage, your truck auto coverage should cover that. Now, with the horses in the back, if she's trailering a friend to a show, um, the driver would have to be have done something negligent to be sued. So if she were driving drunk or erratically and her friend's horse got injured and she were sued, you know, th that's a whole different story. Um, a lot of people that do incidental hauling uh, to uh, the vet clinic because there was an emergency, if I'm taking a friend to a show, some people will carry the commercial liability and add on the care, custody, and control coverage, and that would give her coverage for incidental hauling. Um, if you are a commercial hauler, then you need a special commercial hauling po policy. Um, unfortunately, Blue Bridal doesn't write that because, again, each state's auto rules and regulations are different. But if it's an incidental exposure, then we would recommend the commercial liability with the care, custody, and control. So uh, I've been in the pickup with my trainer when she's hauling horses to shows, and I've kind of added up mentally how much uh, those horses cost in the back of that four-horse rig, um, and I've been a little just uneasy about that. It just seems like there's a lot of horses back there. Um, as a trainer who's hauling to horse shows, does that fall under that care and custody or does that fall under more of a commercial type application? Well, most trainers that are doing that already have a commercial equine liability policy and most trainers um, are going to have the care, custody, and control. Remember, care, custody, and control, liability covers the people. The care, custody, and control covers the non-owned horses in the trainer's care custody and control. So if that trainer did something negligent to a non-owned horse, um, she would have protection. She would have coverage. Okay. Um, so one more question along those lines. What if the horses injure each other in the trailer? Does that fall under the trainer's responsibility because she's the one transporting the horses or is it the owners of those horses? Well, again, if, if she did something negligent that caused those horses to be injured, then she could be held liable. But if the horses are just being fractious and obnoxious and just decided to step and kick on each other, then it would fall back to the owner, the individual horse owner to settle up with the other individual horse owner. We have a question from our live audience. This is Carla, and she said that her stable hosts Pony Club Kids, and the leaders are looking for additional horses to help teach grooming. If we allow our horse to be used for the, with the Pony Club to be groomed, if something happens, are we as the owners liable for that activity? Um, yes, you would definitely be liable for that. Um, most Pony Clubs, Pony Club is a national organization, and most pony clubs, um, local to regional, have their they have insurance. 
I would ask the Pony Club DC to provide the farmland owner with a certificate of insurance so you know those Pony Club kids are covered for any Pony Club activities. Um, and they should name the landowner as additional insured. And that way, if anything did happen, the Pony Club has protection. Um, we have a question from Becky in our live audience who is doing equine assist, assisted learning. Um, she wants to know what kind of liability insurance people who are doing these kind of lessons or programming need. Most of it takes place on the ground and there's no riding involved. Well, there, there is a, a big difference and a lot of the insurance companies, there are definitely a line drawn. Therapeutic riding, where you're dealing with any kind of physical handicap or learning disabilities. If it's a true therapeutic program, you know, these, these students are coming for weekly lessons to help with their disability. When you're starting to talk about the assisted therapies, um, a lot of the times these people are not riding um, and they're more, they have more mental issues than anything else and they're not in a consistent program. A lot of the EGALA people, you know, they'll have um, corporate groups come for team leadership building or they'll have um, abused teens or they'll have recovering addicts and a lot of the companies we're finding do not want to cover those things. Um, you know, again, because they're, they're not on a consistent basis and they're not really in a lesson. Um, when it comes to any kind of disability, the insurance companies, it, it's all about safety safety, safety, and in a controlled environment. Um, so that's why it's, it's becoming harder and harder to find insurance for the, the EGALA people. Unfortunately, they're doing great work, but it's, the insurance companies are a little leery about insuring them. That's interesting. Um, we have a question from our live audience. Jeannie is in New York, and she wants to know if there are any particular breeds of horses or disciplines, such as those with a higher risk of injury, like jumping maybe, um, that are not eligible or are more expensive to insure. Um, well, your race horses and your steeplechase horses have the highest mortality rating um, because, you know, the, the highest risk, and then you fall down to your eventers, then it goes down to your show jumping, then it goes down to your western disciplines, your dressage, your pleasure horses, and your breeding horses. Um, so that's kind of the, the very brief staggered look at, at the risk. And if you insure the horse, um, that's one of the first questions they ask you, what do you do to the horse? So the horses that are involved in higher risk sports do carry a higher risk um, and a higher rate. Um, but there's not one particular breed that carries more of a risk than any other. We have a question from our live audience. Michaela wants to know if insuring a foal is as difficult as insuring an older horse or as expensive. At what age can you insure a horse and how much coverage can you get? With foals, we can insure foals at 24 hours old. Usually up until that point, your live foal guarantee will cover you. Um, and then after that, we, would come, we could come in and insure the foal at 24 hours old for, for mortality. Um, that's life insurance, so if, if the foal died or was stolen or had to be put down, they would have coverage. Usually it's anywhere between two to three times the stud fee paid, or unless they purchase the foal, is how you value the foal. Um, we can add major medical and or surgical coverage at 30 days old. 
Um, again, the, the rate for foals is a lot higher than it would be for, say, a two- or three-year-old because the risk of them getting sick or joint ill or anything like that is high. Um, but as the horses get older, the rate would go down, and then the mortality rate doesn't start to eke up until 15. And then 15 to 20, the rate goes back up. We have uh, another question about horse uh, insurance from Ellie in Virginia. Ellie wants to know how you determine the insurable value of your horse, especially if the horse is a homebred and you don't have a purchase price to work from. Well, the insurance companies that Blue Bridal deals with, they're all horse people, so they understand a lot. And as an agent, we ask a lot of questions. Okay, did you purchase the horse? Was he a trade? Was he a homebred? Um, what have you done with the horse? Training fees, breeding fees, stud fees, if it's a stallion. Um, shows, local, rated, unrated, schooling, you know, triple A, regional, national championships, breed awards. So as an agent, I would gather all this information from the horse owner to see what the insurable value is. And some people will insure the horse to value. Some people will underinsure. And some people will only insure um, for what they paid for the horse. And that's a personal choice. So we try to work with the horse owner to come up with it, a value. Then we would submit it to the company underwriters for their final approval. Um, we do not issue an insurance policy until we have company approval because if that horse ever died, we do not want any problems with um, a, a claim being filed or issued. Um, you know, the last thing a grieving horse owner wants to do is have to dig up show records on their horse that just passed. So we make sure, it is a rule here at Blue Bridal, that all the horses that we insure their values are prior approved. So if there is a loss, there's no questions. So on a homebred, they basically would look at the stud fee of the mare um, and then do two to three times that. Now, once they hit maybe one to two years old, you're going to have training involved now because they're going to start getting broke to saddle. So at that point, they'll look at some of the training fees as well, put those two together, and try and start a value from that. Okay. And Sue, so could you explain a little bit about what it would mean to be self-insured and at what point someone might self-insure their property for liability or their horse? Well, with self-insuring a horse, I'll talk about that first and I'll pass it on to Sue. Um, if you self-insure, then you're responsible, you know, so if the horse died, you're out whatever you paid for it, and if the horse became ill, injured, or lame, you would be responsible for all vet bills. Um, some people don't want to be insurance poor and don't feel the, the need to pay the insurance money. And then we have other people that if their horse colics, they can't afford a $10,000 colic bill, but they can afford a $150 colic endorsement. So, you know, again, it's, it's a personal choice as to the value and the coverages that each individual horse owner decides that they want. Um, when it comes to property, uh, if you have a, a homeowner's, you know, farm owner's property, if you have a mortgage, you have to have insurance. That's 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 it. You don't have a choice to self-insure when it comes to having a mortgage. If you don't and you own the property outright, then you can pick and choose what you want. Everybody always insures the house, obviously, because that's your, your way to live and that's where you're going to live with your contents. But the barns themselves, some people may not want to insure every building. They may only want to insure just their main building or uh, the, the arena or just the stable and not insure the run-in sheds because they're so small and by the time you pay a deductible on those anyway, it's just not worth it. Um, but if you have a mortgage on property, 
you definitely have to carry insurance. You don't get that choice. But if you do own your property outright, uh, you always want to carry liability because you really don't want to lose that. You lose your property to, to some accident or claim. But when it comes to the actual buildings, the outbuildings, you can you know, choose whatever you want. Um, you can do that when you have a mortgage as well. But unfortunately, a mortgage company, if they have an investment in the property to a certain amount, you might have to have those buildings to a certain amount. Um, our next question is for Cindy. Patricia in Texas wants to know what exactly is meant by the term loss of use of a horse. She says that she would like to know specifically if she were to have a barrel horse and it becomes lame and no long, can no longer run, if that's a loss of use of that horse. All right. Basically, loss of use uh, also can be called disability. It would cover the horse owner if the horse became totally and permanently unfit to be used as either a dressage horse or a hunter jumper. Um, unfortunately, eventing, racing, and any of the Western disciplines do not are not eligible for loss of use coverage. Horses also have to be between the ages of three and twelve and over twenty-five thousand in value in order to be eligible for loss of use coverage. Um, and it ha the injury has to be total and permanent. Like the horse could never, um, you know, if it was, a, say, your horse, third level horse, but it can still do training level, that's not total and permanent. Um, I've been with Blue Bridal 17, almost 17 years, and I think we've paid two loss of use claims. We have a question from Annie in North Carolina, and Annie wants to know if health insurance is offered for horses like it's offered for small animals like dogs and cats? Um, we can write, it's called major medical and that would cover you if the horse needed any medical or surgical treatment due to illnesses, injuries, lamenesses, or diseases. Um, depending on the horse's age and value is what you're going to be eligible, what major medical limits and coverages you would be eligible for. Um, medical colic, colic surgery, um, stitches, lamenesses, x-rays, ultrasounds, MRIs, bone scans, um, stem cell, all that good kind of stuff would be covered under major medical. We have a question from Melissa in Maryland and she wants to know how much ins colic insurance typically costs and what exactly it will cover. If you just, major medical is the broadest health coverage that you can get. And if you're not eligible for major medical, we do have a standalone colic coverage. Now, major medical does cover colic, but if that you're not eligible or you can't afford it, we do have a $10,000 colic coverage endorsement. It's $150 for the year, and that would cover you if your horse needed any medical or surgical treatment due to colic. But any other problem would not be covered. So like if the horse came up lame or it had an up, upper respiratory infection, that's not going to be covered, only colic. Okay. We have a question from Hannah in Florida, and I think this might end up being our last question of the night. Um, Hannah wants to, Hannah is considering sending a horse out on trial to be sold. She said that her trainer told her to keep her current insurance plan on the horse and that the potential buyer would take out their own policy on the horse while they're trying and showing it. Under what circumstances would their insurance cover an injury or treatment versus my policy? Okay, real quick. Basically, you cannot have two insurance policies on the same horse. That's illegal. 
In this case, if Hannah were my client, I would tell Hannah to keep her policy in effect for the trial, because most trials are usually no more than seven to ten days. Because if something happened to the horse while you know it was out on trial, Hannah's policy would defend. Now, if Hannah canceled her policy and had the trial people take out their a policy on the horse, which you can do, but if there's a problem and the horse is sent back to Hannah, then there's that transfer of ownership and then Hannah would not have the coverage. So it's definitely tell Hannah to keep her policy in effect while the horse is out on trial. Um, and once the horse is sold and transfer of ownership happens, then she can take the horse you know, off her policy and the new owner can take out the insurance. And that's usually what, what we recommend because trial policies uh, can get very sticky. Um, usually they're only for 30 days. And if there's a claim, it you know, again, the policy is only for 30 days. So Hannah should keep her own policy for a trial. Okay. Well, we are out of time for tonight, but I want to ask each of you to share with us what you the one thing that you want everyone to take away from our discussion tonight. And let's go ahead and start with you, Susan. What what do you hope that people learn tonight? Um, to please check their policies. Uh, just it doesn't it never hurts to reread or recheck your policies to make sure you do or do not have coverage. The minute you you doubt it or don't know, pick up the phone, call me. I will go over what you have. You know, listen to what you're doing. See if your policy would cover you or not. Um, but please read everything and um, just double check to make sure you have, or or at least try and make sure you have the right coverage. Because the last thing you want is to have a claim and find out you're about to lose your farm because you didn't have the right protection. And, and a phone call is a lot cheaper than that. So just please give me a call. I'll talk to you. We can, you know, at least I'll guide you on what you may or may not need. Okay. And Cindy, what about you? Um, being liability, of course, it's always about wearing everybody's wearing their helmets and releases. Make sure all those trainers and instructors out there, please have signed releases from all your students. Um, it, it goes a long way if you're ever in a lawsuit. Um, and ensuring your horse, you know, the biggest thing people are going to face is a colic surgery. And a lot of people, you know, a small insurance policy goes a long way instead of having to put your horse down because you can't afford the medical or surgical treatment. Um, and again, reiterating what Sue said, if anybody has any questions, we'd be more than happy to talk to them at any time. Okay. Well, thank you both ladies for joining us. It was a great conversation tonight and we had a really good turnout. I hope that everyone listening learned something that's going to help them out in uh, taking care of their properties and their horses. I want to thank everyone for listening live and thank our experts for being here. I hope that you can join us next month for Ask the Horse Live. Until then, we're wishing you a good night and happy riding. <laughs>